We're going to be in James chapter 3, and we're going to look at the, the first 12 verses today. James chapter 3. We won't look at the whole chapter. We'll just look at the first 12 verses. But if I could just be honest and open with you guys, man, the last couple days studying this passage, getting ready for this morning to share these words with you, uh, the, the Spirit was just convicting me so, so much. We're going to talk about today uh, our words and the power of the tongue and uh, the, the power that we have for good and for evil with the words that we speak. And uh, man, it was just convicting to me of just thinking about how I, how I speak to uh, the Lord even, how I speak to other people and uh, how there's still so much work that needs to be done in my heart. And um, I don't know, I just want you to be open uh, to whatever the Lord might have today. But uh, I'm not sure how much Bible you guys have ever uh, read in your life. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word. I don't know how much Bible you guys have read, but it, as you go through it and as you keep uh, reading more and more, you'll find all over uh, the mention of uh, just talking uh, and the, the weight of words and uh, the tongue and the power uh, therein, whether it's the Psalms or Proverbs or all over of how, how much of an impact words have. Um, and it's extremely interesting how many times we really see this even within the book of James. I don't know if you guys remember a couple months ago or a month ago when we talked about uh, how we're in James chapter one, we're to be slow to speak, right? He's talking about speaking then and uh, he kind of brings this back up to the surface of the importance of the way that we speak. And the main theme, right, in James is this idea of real faith, faith on display in every aspect of life, including our words. And there seemed to be something so connected and deeply rooted uh, with what comes out of our mouth and our faith, that they're completely connected. And, and God, I want to let you guys know today, God takes your words very seriously. The things that you say to him, the things that you say to uh, other people, God takes that seriously. In his view, uh, which is always the right view, what God believes in, in his view, uh, that's always the right one. And in God's view, words carry an incredible amount of weight. They have uh, a lot of impact and influence behind them. They don't just mean nothing. I mean, think about it. We're gonna look in a second that God's chose to communicate to us through words, through written down uh, words here, not, not a video, not anything, through words. And so he, he cares about them. They, they have, uh, as we're going to see, they have weight. And so you guys can open up, uh, if you're not already, to James chapter 3. Um, but before we get into the text today, uh, let's pray. And God, we uh, just humbly come before you. God, uh, just, just confess, Lord, my, my own depravity. Lord, I, I confess my own failures and uh, sins to you. Lord, that I, I need you, God. We all need you here. We all mess up, and uh, how much we mess up in this area is too much. Lord, we, we say things we don't mean. We speak without thinking. Sometimes we're harsh, or sometimes, Lord, we uh, can just say things that are hurtful. We can say things to you out of disrespect. Lord, uh, we pray today as we leave this room, Lord, that you would just change us and transform us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So it's James chapter three, and at first we're just gonna look at the first verse, just as the basis of what today will be, okay? And so in James 3, 1, we're gonna see a warning uh, with words. James chapter three, just verse one. Uh, he goes on and he says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. 
So pretty simple, but James, it, it kind of is confusing at first because you're like, why is James almost discouraging people to teach the Bible? Isn't that a good thing? Shouldn't we be encouraging people to do that? See, it's not that he's discouraging people to teach the Bible, but he wants to make very clear that when teaching the Bible, there is a very great responsibility. That he says only, basically only a few should do this. Now, the, the type of teacher that he's talking about when he says, let not many of you become teachers, he's not talking about like a school teacher. Like, let not many of you become third grade teachers. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about very specifically those who are in a position of consistently teaching the Bible. So like myself or Pastor Jack or different teachers that, that consistently teach the Bible, uh, he says, let not many of you step into that position. Why? Not because it's bad, but because there's a great responsibility. He says that with teaching, there's going to become a stricter judgment. And when he says stricter judgment, uh, it means that there's a higher standard. That God, when, when someone is sharing God's word and teaching and, and representing God, uh, he takes that very seriously. And he says there's going to be a, a, a higher standard that he will hold them to. Why? Because you are, me up here to you guys, uh, in, in some aspect, in some sense, I am representing God to you. Not that I am your God in any way, but that I am communicating to you the things that God would want to communicate to you. That I'm describing how God is and who he is. And so God is in those things and they're serious. Uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, Jesus speaking, he says, to whom much is given, much is required. That's Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And, and the word of God is something that's definitely uh, a lot, and there's a responsibility that comes with it. First Corinthians 4 talks about that those who handle God's words are to be faithful, that those who are to teach God's word, they are to be faithful, meaning that they are to be diligent and not lazy, that they, when, they, when they prepare to study and, 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 and share the things of God, that there should be no laziness in that. There should be a diligence to be able to do it correctly, and so it's, it's really clear from this, this first verse that the Bible says that God would believe, God, in God's view, words have weight. Think about it. Written, written words, the Bible, uh, is the way that God has chosen to reveal himself. And so I'm up here teaching you guys, right, about the things of God directly from the Bible, and God would take this time seriously. I must not as a teacher, rep, misrepresent God to you. I must not say something about God that's not true. There's going to be a judgment for that. I must not say something that he wouldn't say. And that's why uh, every time before I ever come up here and take the mic and, and, and talk to you guys about God's word and who God is and what he's like and what he expects from us, I always pray just a couple simple prayers. One of them being, God, help me just not to... Uh, misrepresent you. Help me not to say something about you that's not true. Uh, help me to do that. I don't want anything to come out of my mouth that you don't want me to, Lord. And I do that because I know James chapter 3 verse 1 that uh, God is in this time and the words, this communication, which seems so simple to us, uh, we can take for granted God is in the midst of this. God is in the midst of, of this communication in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2, says that the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. That the, the wise person, the wise tongue, will be able to have knowledge, 
but do with it uh, in, a, in, a, in a wise way, that they'll do it with it the right way. But the mouth of fools, uh, they just pour out foolishness. And so we see just verse one, God establishes here uh, this concept that th- the things that we say matter, that the words that we say have this impact and influence, and even more so when we're talking about God's words, wow, even more impact, even more power to them. Now, no way am I uh, communicating to you guys that our words are as powerful as God's words, but there is a power to them. Not in the physical word of uh, me speaking, but God uses those, and and there's just uh, an element to them that they don't just fade away. Have you guys ever blown bubbles before? Yeah, who's who's ever blown a bubble? Who's ever not blown a bubble? Okay, it's very good. It'd be very sad. Um, but if you guys ever blown bubbles, what happens? You, you, you get the thing, you, you blow the bubble, and then how long does the bubble last for? A few seconds, right? And then what happens to it? Kind of pops and just blows away and is gone. You see, words are not like that. They actually have weight to them. They have a lasting influence. They don't just kind of come and, and you say something and they just kind of fall uh, to the floor and there's nothing to them, that more than what you think, that they have that kind of uh, influence. And we're going to see today uh, that this influence and this power that comes from just these words that we say, which is so common to us, it's so normal to speak, right? But there can become a positive influence or there can be a very negative influence, whether in the positive of, man, uh, building someone up and uh, encouraging them and communicating God's word, that would be in the positive sense. But then there's also this, this reality that words can be so negative and they can uh, bring death or they can bring life. That's what Proverbs 18.21 says. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's a good verse that there's these two balances that with the words you speak to people, to the Lord, to yourself, that they can bring death, meaning destruction and negativity, or they can bring life. They can be something that builds up. And so uh, this is the reality. And this is kind of the foundation between now what he continues to go in. Look in your Bibles uh, at James chapter three, and we'll look at the next three verses. And we're going to see in these next few verses, we're going to see the key to control. We're going to see the key to control in verses uh, two through five. Look with me. It says in verse two, James chapter three, it says, for we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, must, and they may obey us, that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. In verse four, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. In verse five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And so the reality is, guys, uh, we do all mess up in this area. We all stumble, as verse 2 says, and especially when it comes to the words that we speak. We all sin. We know that. But even more so, man, we all mess up in this area. Raise your hand if you've ever said anything that right when you said it, you immediately regretted, and you wish you could take it back. Raise your hand. 
Totally. You can put your hands down. Raise your hand if you've ever spoken something and you're like, in that, in that moment that the words are just coming out of your mouth, you're like, I shouldn't be saying this, but it just comes out anyway. Yeah, totally. We all stumble in, in this area. No one is perfect. Uh, this is a weekly battle, I think, for us all of whether it's uh, with your parents, that, uh, that temptation to talk back, uh, whether it's at school when someone uh, rips you a new one and you wanted to burn them back. Uh, there's that temptation of, of, of our words, and, uh, but we always mess up in this area. No one is perfect. But he says, if you, are, if you don't stumble in this area, then you would be a perfect man. It's kind of crazy. And so interesting enough, this is the key. Our tongues and the words we speak are the key to controlling the rest of our sin nature. That if you can control the words that come out of your mouth, you can start to have a control over the other aspects of your life, the other sins. You see, the the tongue is no doubt small, kind of like a key, but what it can unlock is very great. But then also with that, the power and the destruction that it can bring bring is also very great. And he says uh, to anyone who could bridle, look at verse two. He says, anyone who could bridle the tongue can bridle the whole body. What does it mean when it says bridle? It means to control or to hold in check. It's actually a word uh, used for horses and different animals that you would harness around uh, their head to be able to kind of control where they go, that you'd have the reins or you'd have whatever it might be. It's kind of, it's similar to the concept of a leash, right? Who's got dogs in here? Right? All of you guys, if you have dogs, and you probably have a leash. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, you see the, just the power that a leash has against a dog. I mean, it is wrapped around their neck. Sometimes it's wrapped around their whole body. But you, you go driving down the street, and you see little old ladies with these ginormous dogs, and you're like, that dog weighs like 10 times what she weighs, yet she's got the, she's got the leash. She's the one in control. And such a small thing, such a simple thing as a leash controls the whole thing. In the same way, uh, if we have control of the tongue, we're able to control uh, most of, if not all of our body. And so he gives us a little more illustrations, though. In these next few verses, he gives us some illustrations of this concept that our tongues, the words we speak, it's small. They seem small, but wow, they, they are mighty. There, there is power behind them. And he, and he goes on, look at verse 3. We get three illustrations that he gives us. Verse three says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. That you put one thing in the horse's mouth or on its head and you're able to control it. That horses are massive animals. They really are very strong. Yet someone who's not even half the size can get up on it and have the reins and be able to control it and do exactly what they want it to do. How? Just a small little thing that they may obey and go where they want. It's all about this control, right? But then also with, he says, look at, he says, not just look at horses, but look at even ships. Look at verse three. He says, sorry, verse four. He says, look also at ships that although they're so large, he's talking about boats. Don't think of like a, like a ship, like a, I don't know, spaceship or something like that. He's talking about boats and he says, look at also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by the fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. That these huge boats and these very strong winds that, 
though these are coming against it, that how do you, how do you turn a boat? Just a very small little rudder in the back that would make it go this way or that way, that it's about this control. And so what's the whole point of this? Why does he bring up these couple illustrations? Well, look at verse five. He says, even so in the same way, when it says even so, it's in, in like manner, the tongue is a very little member, meaning that the tongue is a very small part of our body, is it not? Think about it. Think about your tongue in comparison to your hands or your arms or your legs or your, your brain even. It's like, it's so small. The average tongue, I think, is from about from 3.1 inches long to 3.3 inches long. That's about the average adult tongue. Very small compared to the rest of our body. It's a very little member, but he says it boasts great things, meaning the impact that, the, that our words can have is greater than any other thing within our body. But remember that it's either for good or it's for either uh, evil. It's for life or it's for death. And this is where he kind of transitions into uh, the negativity, the, the power and the destruction that it can have. Look at the end of verse five. It says, see how great uh, a forest, a little fire kindle, kindles. He says, imagine a forest fire, right? We've had a lot of different fires up and down uh, California, Northern California, even around here. Uh, what typically starts those? Is it like a big explosion? Or is it like a car catching on fire and exploding? Or is it like a bomb of some sort? Nope. Just a very small, tiny spark. But the thing with fire, it spreads. And its destruction uh, spreads and spreads. And it can start a world of destruction. And so can the tongue. He says, in the same way, he says, in the same way, you think this little word's going to have not that much impact, or man, I was just joking, or this little word, that's not going to really matter. No, it can. It's going to become, as we're going to see, this fire. But here's, here's the point. Something very small can affect or produce something really great. Write that down. Something very small can affect or produce something really great, and that's your words, seems so menial, it seems so simple, that, man, no one's going to listen to me. And my words don't really mean anything. Or in the negative sense, that I I was just joking, it wasn't that big a deal, I was just just having fun, and so I was making this joke or saying this thing, or I was harsh with my words. Uh, No, it can have, it can produce and affect something very great. And so the key to controlling your sin nature. It's what unlocks the ability to start reigning in, in on all those other areas of life, the words you speak, whether it's to God and the way that you speak to God, whether it's the way that you speak to one another, but even the way that you speak to yourself. The way you speak to yourself has influence and impact on yourself. The whole idea of self-talk or talking to yourself, it's, it matters. If you're always down on yourself, like, man, I, I'm the worst. Man, I, I, I should have never, I should have never been born. And those, those types of negative thoughts, it's going to impact your life. But when you have the thoughts of, man, I, I know that I'm struggling in this area, but God, you say that I'm created in your image. God, you say that you've come and, and that you love me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do those things. Talking to yourself, even in that way, has impact and influence. It's kind of crazy. And Proverbs chapter 15 Verse four says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And it's true that there's, there's a reality that words can kind of cut so much where you can say something. Have you ever been talking to someone 
and then you say something kind of harsh or maybe, maybe out of line or it kind of hurt them, and then you just see their, their spirit break, meaning they, they kind of just like deflate and they like, they get upset and they kind of retreat back. You've seen that, right? That was from just literally saying something that they had impact on their physical body. It's kind of crazy. Or Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The tongue of the wise promotes health. But sometimes we can speak like the piercings of a sword. And so uh, he goes on and uh, he wants, he's going to go on into this, this negative aspect, the, the power and the destruction that the tongue has behind it. And the, the question is, can you control it for yourself? Can you control what you say? Do you have any reign? Do you have any power over what you say? The answer is yes, but it's different for each person. For you, how much do you, do you have? How much do you get in trouble for the things you say? Well, we're going to see that, man, just the, the reality of this. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8 with me. James chapter 3. You guys good? You guys following along? Have any questions? Make sense? All right, James chapter 3. Look at verse 6. He goes on with his fire idea, and he says that the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity or sin. The tongue is so set among our members, meaning among our body, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Pretty intense. Verse 7, he says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But verse 8 says, But no one, no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It's kind of a crazy little chunk of scripture, right? That this, the tongue is full of deadly poison, that it's fire, that it's unruly, that it sets on what does it say? It says, sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. It's like, oh my gosh, what does even all of this mean? Well, according to James, it seems that you and I have a natural tendency because we are fallen people to let our tongues go rampant, to let our words be our downfall, to let our words be our destruction rather than that thing which gives us control over other areas of our life. So he says that the tongue is like fire. So does that mean like he's like, hey, your tongue's going to turn into fire in your mouth? Is that what he's saying? No. But think about the concept. Think about that forest fire again. That fire is that what spreads and destroys with no regard of what's in its path. That if you don't have, if you don't pull back on your words and what you say, and you just kind of, I don't care. I don't care what other people think. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. And you have no control over it. It'll spread and it'll destroy everything in its path. That it creates a world of sin for us, it says. That it spreads to other areas of our life. It has the capability of, the Bible says right here, defiling every aspect of our life. What does it mean to defile? It means to, dis, uh, to stain or to corrupt or to pollute. That it's not just about the words, that it affects other areas of your life. But what's the whole, what's the source of this that we're talking about the words, but where do the words come from? Well, in Matthew chapter 15, and we don't have to turn there right now, but in Matthew chapter 15, uh, we get a little insight, an awesome insight from Jesus that what comes out of our mouth, whatever we speak, that is an indicator of what is in our heart. 
that the things that we say to one another, how we speak, uh, it's an indicator of what comes from our heart. That he says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, it's what comes out. That, that is able to defile or to stain your life. And sometimes, I know for me, I, sometimes I surprise myself. Sometimes I'm talking and, you know, I'm not thinking and my guard's not up and I'm just kind of talking and whether it's even to my wife sometimes, which is horrible or, you know, to just people. And then something comes flying out of my mouth. I'm like, where did that come from? Why did I say that? I did not, uh, and you, but you can't pull it back. The toothpaste is already out of the tube. You can't put it back. You can't take back the words that you say. And there's that moment where I know that I, I come to sometimes like, I can't believe I just said that. Because I know, Matthew chapter 15, that what comes out of my mouth, that's in my heart. And so that's kind of scary sometimes. Because I'm like, oh man, that means there's these areas of my heart that God is still definitely working on. And it kind of surprises me, but it shouldn't. But the words you say, guys, indicate where your heart is. It really does. It says that it's untamable. That he gives these examples of, look, every beast that they are able to be tamed. Now, maybe not in the sense of you're going to be able to get on his back and ride it, but at least to overcome it. That every, everything that's on the planet currently, uh, in, in a, some sense, that we're able to we're able to trap it, we're able to tame it, we're able to, whatever it might be. The biggest of animals. But God says right here that, but the smallest, this three-inch little thing in our mouths, we can't seem to get a handle on. We can't seem to get, be able to control it. And it's kind of funny. I was thinking, man, what does it look like to have a, have a wild tongue or have a tongue that's uncontrollable? Does it mean that it's like flopping around in your mouth and you can't really speak right? It's like, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that the words you say, you're not able to rein them in. It says it's full of deadly poison, on and on and on again. In Psalm 52, Psalm 52, verse two and four, it says, your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Have you guys ever cut yourself on a razor blade before? Right, isn't it crazy? Like you barely even touch yourself on accident and it's like, oh my gosh, I... My blood is coming out of my hand. And you're like, this is crazy. But that's how easily words can just slice. That you love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. In Psalm 57, verse 4, it says, I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. And so the question today is, how wild is your tongue? Think about it. Think about your everyday life. The way that you speak to your parents. The way that you speak to your siblings. The way that you speak to God. The way that you speak to your teachers. The way that you speak to anyone. Do you say things that you didn't wish? That you wish you didn't? We all do. Do you say things you shouldn't? We all do. But what about how you speak to others and of others? Do you use words to cut people? Or do you use words to build one another up? See, if we don't start to get a handle on the things that we say, it's going to be a source of, great, of a great deal of sin in our lives. And so, uh, you guys ever watched Spider-Man? Yeah? You guys know about Uncle Ben? Uncle Ben, the homie, Uncle Ben. Right? But he had that great... 
Before he died, he had that great, uh, great quote. Does anyone know it? Yeah, no, with, um, with great power comes great responsibility. And it's true that God has given us this gift of communication. It really is. The fact that we're able to communicate as well as we do to one another. Uh, sometimes we don't think about it because it's just natural to us now that we're, you know, a little bit older. And it's a gift from the Lord. But with that gift, with that power, there comes a responsibility on our part. But sometimes we kind of go back and forth. Sometimes we come to church and we start worshiping God and we're singing to him and we're admiring him. And then we get in the car to go home and we start talking back to our mom and our dad. And what we're going to see in a second, James is calling us out and he's saying, these things should not be so. These things shouldn't be like this. Look at this last part that we're going to look at today, verses 9 through 12, James chapter 3. It says, with it, with our tongue, with our words, we bless our God and Father, which is a good thing. Verse 9, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, meaning in his likeness. Uh, comes out of Genesis. In verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Does no spring yields both salt water and fresh? And so today, which one of you? Do you just, do you bless God and curse men? Do you do both? Do you do one of the one or the other? It's interesting. He brings up this concept, right? You go and you you bless the Creator that you worship and you say, "God, you are so great," but then you proceed to kind of spit on His creation. And he's saying these contradict each other. It doesn't make any sense. And for the Jews, they really understood. They understood this concept of blessing God. It's interesting. Back in the day, uh, just one of the traditions was whenever the name of God was said, that they would respond back and they would say, blessed is he. If the name of God was said at any moment, they'd just be like, blessed is he, and they'd yell that out. Now, of course, that was in Hebrew and not English, and it sounded different, I'm sure. But they understood this this concept of blessing God. They also, of course, understood the concept of blessing, or sorry, cursing men. But Luke chapter 6 and Romans chapter 12, both Jesus and Paul they both say, when, even when men curse you and they, they wish uh, something upon your life that's not good, he says, you are not to revile back, but you are to bless and do not curse, the Bible says. And so he says, one minute you're blessing God, you're praising him, you're thanking him, you're speaking highly of him, and the next minute you're cursing the people that God created. And sometimes, uh, for the sake of joking, we can become like this. For the sake of joking, we can become very harsh. And, but the reality is that how you talk to one another, it matters. That just because on the tail end of your, of your sly comment, uh, you say, oh, it's just, I was only joking, it's all good. It doesn't make it okay, it doesn't make it better. And guys, I'm, I'm talking to myself that our words matter and they carry weight. And it gives us a couple illustrations of this contradiction that they shouldn't, it shouldn't be like this. Who's got a, a fruit tree at home? Yeah, what kind of fruit? What kind of fruit you guys growing? Tangerine, avocado. Someone last service said watermelon. I was like, that's not a tree, you weirdo. That's crazy. Unless it is, that'd be 
that'd be wild. Maybe like little mini watermelon. I don't know. But imagine, imagine it's like about harvest time and you're like excited for your tangerines or your avocados and you're like, man, we've been waiting for this. Finally, it's here. And then in the morning you go out and then you look at the tree and there's bananas on the tree. You're like, I don't like bananas. Why is my orange tree producing bananas? This doesn't make any sense. And that's what he's saying. He says, look, out of the same tree should not come two different things, that they should either be blessing God or you should be cursing men, that there shouldn't be this double uh, reality here. Or uh, anyone go to the river? Anyone ever go to the river for, with their family or friends? What, what river do you guys go to? Colorado River, for sure. Santa Ana. Imagine you're floating down the river, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, this is such a nice time. I've got my inner tube, nice water. And then like a boat passes by, so it makes like a little wake, a couple waves, and then you get in a mouthful of it, and you're like, oh, expecting just nasty river water. But you're not expecting salt water, right? Imagine salt water comes, comes rushing in your mouth. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't go. It's the river. It's fresh water. There's no salt water here. And so what he's saying is that it doesn't, it doesn't line up. That as a believer, you and I, there shouldn't be this, this duality that we come to church and we have the right things to say, or we're in front of our parents, so we're saying the right things. And then we're kind of now in a different situation, and now we start saying other things, and we start speaking a different way that there shouldn't be like this. And at the end of the day, guys, you are the only one who has power over your tongue. Do you have power over what I say? No. Do I have power over what you say? No. You're the only one that can choose your words. In Psalm chapter 34, verses 12 through 14, it says, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Who wants like a good life? You're like, I like my life to be good. Yep, I'm for that. Well, he says, then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. He says the key to that is kind of realizing and start to keep your tongue from evil. And Proverbs ten nineteen says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains or pulls back or tames his lips, says that one is wise. And so just uh, in summary of what we kind of went over today, guys, God believes that your words have weight, that, that they, they have an impact for evil and for good. And that's what we should believe as well, that the tongue is the key to controlling other areas in your life, that there is a great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And you and I have a great responsibility with the way that we communicate. And so what do we do, right? As I was just saying, we're the only ones that have power over our tongue and what we say. Uh, but we mess up and we stumble and we fail and we keep saying things we shouldn't. I do it all the time and it, oh, I don't like it and I want to get better and I want to strive that my words would be pleasing to God. And as with everything else in life, uh, the words that come out of our mouths are really only an outward reaction of what's going on inwardly, right? That's what Jesus talked about, the heart issue. And so when you break it down uh, with the problem, it always comes back to the heart. It's a heart issue. And this is where only God can come in and change and mold and shape your heart. And so I'd encourage you to write down these two more verses I'm going to give you 
uh, as I've been praying, and I'm going to continue to be praying these verses just for my life and pleading and asking with God to help me just guard my mouth. And these are good prayers for us to pray. And so if you haven't been listening this entire service, if you want to sit up, perk up, and write down these couple verses, I'd really encourage you to do that. Psalm chapter 141, verses 3 and 4. Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. So the psalmist is praying to God, and he says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works. You see, we get that connection again. That he's talking, he's saying, God, guard my mouth. Lord, help me not to say anything I'm not supposed to say. But then he says, God, keep my heart from going towards evil. You see, your heart and your mouth are connected. Completely, 100% connected. And just a... even one last verse for you, Psalm 1914, and this one's good. This one's one of my favorites. And we see that connection again between the heart and the mouth. Psalm 1914 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's like a if you're ever going to get a tattoo, that's, that's one that you should get tattooed, but don't get a tattoo. Um, anyway, Psalm 1914, right, says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, the things that I think about, the things that I meditate on, you see, they influence. The things you think about are ultimately going to be the things that you start saying. It's just how it is. They're so connected. But I love the prayer of God, help them just to be acceptable or pleasing to you. And so let's pray that now, and then we'll worship, okay? So just pray along with me in your hearts. God, I pray uh, just right now that you would uh, help guard our mouth. Lord, set a guard there. Lord, that anything that comes out of our mouth, whatever words we might say, that they would be for life, they would be pleasing to you, that you would use them, because it is a great power that we have to communicate. Lord, that we would communicate for your glory, for the kingdom building, Lord, not for our own uh, laughter, not for our own sakes, Lord, that we would just submit. Lord, we right now, we surrender our, as weird as it might sound, we surrender our tongues to you, God. We surrender our mouths, our words, and ask that you would, you would clean our mouth, Lord, with your spirit. Lord, that the things that we say and the things that we do would just be so pleasing to you, God. Lord, that you'd be so present in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can... You guys can stand, turn off the mic before I'm done. Uh, you guys can stand. We're going to close in a song of worship, and then uh, I'll, I'll come back up in just a second, all right?
we just, uh, again, just thank you one more time, Lord, for your goodness. And Lord, we just pray that as we leave, that there wouldn't be one word that we would speak without your anointing, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you'd give us the ability, Lord, just to, uh, Lord, tame the tongue. Lord, that the things that we would speak would be for your glory, would be for your praise, and would be for your honor. God, we look to you now as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.